On today's episode, we introduce ourselves, the podcast, and give you the three takeaways you have to implement to set your law firm's digital marketing strategy for success in 2020. Welcome to In Camera, where we uncover private legal marketing conversations. Welcome to In Camera. This is your podcast for private legal marketing conversations. I'm here joined by Grace Montealegre. Grace, how are you today? Hi, Liel. Thank you for joining me and thank you for having me on today. Excellent. It's my pleasure being here. And so I'm Liel Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media, and I'm um, extremely excited of uh Coming to this point, Grace, we've been talking about this podcast for quite some time. So uh, why don't we explain or tell the listeners, um, who are we and what are we trying to achieve with this podcast? Thank you so much, Leo. So um, I'll say a little bit about myself. Um, again, my name is Grace Montalegre. I am the VP of Marketing and Operations for Persist Communications, as well as Jacovino and Lake, which is a law firm based out of Sayville, New York. And so I have a little bit of a unique background, about 20 years of legal marketing and marketing in general in multiple industries. So that's uh, sort of why I came together with Liel and we decided we needed to have some kind of conversations that we have off the cuff on the norm. And I feel like other people need to have the same kind of conversations or at least be a party to our conversations. What do you think, Liel? I love that, Grace. And you know that I've always been a big advocate of having these open conversations. No bullshit conversations, right, about legal marketing. Like That's we've right. both been over the past six, eight months together at all kinds of shows, trade shows, conferences about legal marketing. And it's very easy to tell, right, between uh, who's there just to 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 serve the Kool-Aid and kind of try to convince you on things and speeches that uh, we all know, not necessarily... Uh, deliver, bring results. And so we wanted it to question all of those things and 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 have more honest conversations about really what are, uh, why is it that we were marketing law firms and what are the strategies that really uh, uh, have an impact and, and enable growth. But before that, I'd like to take just one moment to briefly introduce myself. In case you're wondering about the name and the accent, well, I was born and raised in Mexico City. My parents are Israeli. And throughout my life, I have lived in seven different countries across four continents. Since I was a child, legal marketing has been very present in my life. And as a marketeer, I was involved in building one of the best known legal brands amongst U.S. Hispanics. Most recently, I became the co-founder of Nanato Media, a multicultural digital marketing agency based out of Austin, Texas. And we create and implement ambicultural marketing strategies for law firms that want to dom dominate their local Hispanic market. And with that being said, Grace, I think it's time for us to talk about in camera and what is it that we are trying to achieve with this first episode and the first nine episodes, right, that we outlined here. So are you ready for that? I'm ready. Let's get going. I'm super okay. excited. Excellent. So our first episode, uh, our first episode is going to be about, you guessed right, 
digital marketing, right? We've uh, created a series of um, nine episodes, and we're going to break them down in blocks of three uh, episodes. Now, the first block, it's going to be about marketing and lead generation, right? On building that, that tip of the iceberg that leads to uh, keeping a law firm growing and busy. So uh, on our first episode, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, digital marketing. And so let's get started with that. All right. And um, just to let everybody know, we, we are going to break down the digital marketing into some basics. So a lot of you may have a lot of information and know a lot of things about digital marketing, but there's never been, I feel, and this is part of the reason we have this podcast, right, Leah? Um, is to give you that private conversation, but it's really not that private. It can be found out there. There are basics and there are these things that we're going to help you with, right? Things like citations, you know, Google My Business. We're going to discuss some information about websites, why you do them. And then we're going to end it with a little bit about paid digital marketing. And I think our conversation is going to be a lot more illuminating for you than you may realize, particularly once we get to why do you build a website? So, Leah, let's start with our citations. Um, we'll discuss in citations Yelp, Avo, Yext, Google My Business, and uh, things of that nature. Uh, where would you like to start? So, going back to where uh, we started this conversation, right? So, we've been going to all of these conferences and we've sat down and listened to a lot of digital marketing experts about all kinds of ways and strategies to really uh, uh, capture an audience and grow. And so there's a lot of people advocating heavily on SEO. There's a lot of people advocating heavily on a social, me on a social media strategy. There's a lot of people uh, heavily advocating on uh, um, ser uh, search marketing strategy, right? Paid search marketing strategy, to be more specific. And uh, we decided to really bring it like for the sake of, of giving people real value and giving them a takeaway that they can just, you know, at the end of this episode, go to and work on it without having to necessarily hire anyone or pay nobody to um, uh, uh, apply it for their law firm. And so we've decided to, to, to focus on probably one of the most powerful tools out there and uh, that's citations. Right. So, Grace, why don't we explain our audience what citations are? I think you've covered it all uh, a little bit on in the intro, but let's be very specific. What are citations and why do we need them? Okay. So every single listing for every location business out there has citations. Citations is exactly how your company is listed in the web, essentially. Um, you may have heard of the, uh, the Yext. Yext is a service that will basically make your citations exactly the same across the web. Why is that important? Because if your address, as an example, says W as opposed to West in one place, and then in another, it says W West Road, RD, and different things of that nature, then it's considered a different address according to the different citations that are possibly out there. So. Yelp is another one. Avo is another. Google My Business is one of the most important, and we'll delve into that one specifically. But these are what citations are. Just so you know, that's the definition of a citation, and that is how you should think about them. You need to have the same exact address 
and information that is out there across the entire web, wherever you're cited. So um, absolutely, that's what citations um, are. And so um, as, as, uh, as, as the member of, uh, of a YEX partner agency, uh, here's basically what uh, uh, the reason why you want to have your business listed exactly and identically the same way across different directories, right? And so basically, Google... Uh, likes to to show listings that they believe are relevant for the search intent of the users and that Google feels comfortable and confident showing us reliable businesses, right? And so as we know, Google is all about algorithms. Google looks at the data and makes decisions based on how their algorithm interprets that state that data. And the way Google for local search reads citations, is uh, in a way that the more consistent information they find about a particular business across different directories, the more confident Google is going to feel about listing that business on potentially the local park search results. And as you and I know very well, showing up now on the local pack organically is potentially more powerful than showing on the first page of organic search results on position number eight or six, right? Because people are pretty much having access to that information on the top of the screen. And so citations are a big and important step towards opening the way for your law firm to get to show on that local pack, right? So when you like, for, for going back to what you were saying about Yex, so when you go and look at what which are the directories that Yex is going to list your business in, right? It's going to be 75 uh, primary directories that Yex consider well, that Google considers important for local search. And so you'll find a lot of stuff that you're going to question yourself and say, do I really need to be listed in MapQuest? Do I really need to be listed in yippee.com? Probably you're not currently generating clients from there and you probably won't. However, Google does care about you having a listing in those businesses, in those uh, pages, in those directories. And so for that reason alone is that it's worth working on these citations and you can do this manually or you can do this through a paid platform such as Yex, Moss or whichever other uh, platform you decide to use uh, for this purpose. What do you think? I agree. And um, citations are so super important. Um, and that really, I feel like you gave a very good explanation and definition of citations. And I feel like that will lead us directly into Google My Business. Why? Because yes, you can do it yourself or you can pay a service like Yext, which would probably be the easiest for you to do. Once you have that done, this is something you can do on your own. It doesn't have to be through a paid agency, but if you have an agency that you're working with, make sure that that's part of the requir requirement or request that your citations are definitely the same across. And then you move into Google My Business. Uh, why is that? Well, because that is probably one of the most important citations there are out there, right? Um, and that includes... I, I would say, Grace, I would say with all confidence, Google My Business is the most important citation. Good. I would, even I would even challenge the notion that maybe your Google My Business listing is more important than your website. And so that's a challenge out there. I'd love to hear from a listener who disagrees on this and their argument but for the average Joe law firm, 
their Google My Business is probably going to be more effective than their website in building awareness and driving business. I'm so sorry that I interrupted you there, but I feel so strongly about this that I felt it was uh, worth mentioning. No, definitely. You're 100% right. And, um, you know, how many times I've told people, you know, being, being in marketing for so long, that's one thing I've always gone back to. A physical location, particularly as a law firm, once it's on Google My Business and it's been confirmed with the card that you're supposed to get, we'll talk a little more about that once we talk specifically about Google My Business and things you should do on there. Once you get that card and it's approved, by Google that this is a real location, you have so many opportunities for marketing in the local area that you won't have until you have a Google My Business listing that is confirmed. So it's super important. It's important on every level. And I think we're going to talk probably more about Google My Business than anything else, even about the, than the websites and paid digital marketing, like you said, because Google My Business, you can even have a website on Google My Business that will be free. So if you created a website through Google My Business, guess what? Now it's connected to Google My Business and it's definitely more important than your website anyway. You're absolutely right. So how do you open a Google My Business account? Well, very simply, you go and register your business. You, you, first of all, you have to have a Gmail account. So hopefully your uh, law firm uh, uh, email uh, host is uh, Gmail. But even if it's not, you can just open up a Gmail account for your business and then uh, go ahead and list your business um, with Google. And as you very rightly said, Google will then want to verify that you're actually in that location by sending a snail mail confirmation letter, which you'll then go back to the platform and uh, confirm through a pin code. Now, that's easy. There's tons of tutorials on YouTube as to how to open up a Google My Business account. So we're not going to really spend more time talking about that. Just go and check it out. And so once your Google My Business account is open, what are important steps that you should take to ensure that you have a decent Google My Business listing. As, as he said, it's super easy to set one up um, once it's confirmed and everything. And Google My Business will actually take you through a step-by-step tutorial once you've set up the Google My Business account, and it will show you what you should be doing. I'll, I'll, I'll list a couple of those. Um, first and foremost, you should be taking pictures of the inside of your firm, of the outside of your firm, You should be posting those pictures through Google My Business. Secondly, you should be writing posts and or blog posts and posting those through Google My Business, as well as I'd say there's a couple of other things you can do in terms of adding events. If you have any community events, you can add, um, literally use it as if it was a website and or a social media platform because that is exactly what it is. It is a combination of multiple types of media in one. And since it's served up by Google, Google is going to be looking at you as the most relevant. Liel, do you have any specific things? I think you've covered them all, Grace, but it's all about really just meeting the basics, right? Have, Have your accurate, and this goes back to just general citation building, but list your opening hours, make sure that you're updating the days that you are going to be closed, right? Google cares about these things, right? The more information and updates that Google sees that you're making on your Google My Business, as you said, either by uh, 
uh, posting questions and answers or articles or posts, um, the more Google feels uh, confident about knowing that, hey, these guys are there, they're active. So uh, we should probably pay more attention to them uh, than to this other guy that opened up their Google My Business page, but, uh, but hasn't made any changes on it for the past four years, right? And so the more activity Google sees that you're having on your Google My Business page, uh, the more confident it's going to be about uh, feel about your business. Now, I think at this point, we are good to jump to uh, one of the most, 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 most important reasons why businesses open up Google My Business pages, and that's reviews, right? Probably Google My Business reviews, it's uh, the biggest driver to new clients for online users. And so, uh, Grace, why don't you talk to us a little bit about why our businesses should, or law firms should be uh, uh, putting lots of efforts into generating reviews, particularly Google My Business reviews. So in review generation in general, um, I'd say that is the most important factor in any business. It doesn't matter what business you're in. And I'm going to speak a little bit about consumer behavior and the psychology of consumer behavior, as well as the algorithm in Google. Anything below a four star in Google, once you type in, give me the best law firm, anything under four star will not appear at all. So if you have reviews and let's say you have eight reviews and you have a 3.9, you're not going to show up. You're not going to show up in the three pack if you have less reviews and bad reviews than other firms that are exactly in the same local area as well. So review generation and reviews on Google and Google My Business are not just important, they are the lifeblood of your business. And without a review, think about your own self when you go and buy something, when you go and search for someone. The first thing you do is go to Google, see how many reviews they have. And if someone else is speaking ill about that company and or firm and or et cetera, then you're not going to go. And if you see something that says 3.9 as opposed to someone else that has a 4.5, whether they have the exact same amount of reviews or not, you're going to them. Okay, great. So just to make sure that I am understanding correctly, right? So we first uh, talked about citations and how important they are to build uh to make your business reliable um, to Google and other search engines, correct? But now reviews is another critical factor that Google is going to be looking at to deciding on whether your business should be listed on that tree pack for a local search. And so basically what you're saying is we want reviews, but we want to have good reviews. So with that being said, Grace, what does that mean that uh, we should be doing about bad reviews? Should we avoid bad reviews or should we just um, tackle them in a, in a smart and uh, ethical way? Fantastic question. When you have a bad experience, you're more inclined to tell 10 different people as opposed to when you have a good experience, right? So when you have a good experience, you might leave a review, you might not. So in that same mindset, when you get a bad review, you should always respond. You should respond even quicker than you respond to a good review. 
Why? Well, because in how you respond to those reviews also shows what kind of a company you are. Are you trying to duck the fact that I'm complaining about something that everyone might complain about? As an example, are you ducking a specific issue? Is there something wrong with your company that you're not responding to reviews? And not only that, but if you don't respond to reviews and you respond or or if you respond too late to a review, meaning not within 24 to 48 hours, really it should be sooner, but if 24 to 48 hours, there's a response time. So Google will continue to push you down for not responding to reviews, for reviews that are bad, and for not responding to even the bad reviews. Not to mention the consumers themselves, because if I see a bad review, I will actually read what the company responded to, to that review, and I may still go because I agree with Grace, the Grace, in answering my question, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of things here. So number one is, so we want to, as business owners, we want to generate reviews, right? Uh, but when those reviews are coming through, so one thing I'm hearing is we need to respond, correct? Always. Always. Always respond. Good ones and bad ones. No matter what. Excellent. Now, the other part that I'm hearing you say here is that if you get a bad review, it's not about trying to suppress that bad review, but it's about answering in a professional and smart way. Ultimately, the way I will see it is you've just given a great opportunity. You've been given insights to something that is not working well in your law firm or your business. And here is someone who's telling you about it and giving you an opportunity to make things right for them, right? Right. And so what are you saying is that we should take that opportunity and try to turn around the experience for this particular user and would in return, can we expect to potentially see a review, uh, a, a change in that review? Would users at times consider adjusting their original review? So I got to say thanks, Liel, for organizing my thoughts. That's exactly right. And that's the way to look at it. It's an opportunity to not only possibly fix what is wrong, if there's something wrong, but also turn that person from someone who's unhappy to a lifelong customer. I think as uh, uh, as business owners, um, as marketing experts, we've uh, encountered over and over and over again people who are panicking about getting bad reviews. And uh, quite honestly, uh, there's nothing to be concerned about it. Actually, it's a great opportunity for you as a business to let know uh, your potential new clients and current clients, how do you deal with adversity? How do you actually uh, respond to your clients when things don't go the right direction? And so as new people are researching your business and they're trying to consider uh, whether they'd like to work with you or not, uh, but reviews give them a good opportunity to, 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 to really understand, okay, what happens when things don't go right? And uh, many users are actually looking for that particular information. I want to know how things will look like in the worst case scenario so I can decide whether I'm comfortable with that or not. 
So I want to mention one, one last thing about Google My Business and review generation. So there's actually a section within Google My Business that gives you a short link, meaning a smaller link to be able to send to your people, meaning your clients. And I would highly suggest that after a good intake, a good handing over a check or disbursement, that you make the ask for that review and you provide them with this link. You send it to them by text, you send it to them by email, you send it to them however you have to send it to them, but you make sure to make that ask to get those reviews. And there's a very simple and easy short link in Google My Business that makes it as easy as possible for you to make that ask. My last comment on that. <laughs> Grace, actually, it's such an important point, right? And I'm so glad that you brought it up because we hear and, and we hear and talk so so frequently about uh, review generation, but um, we many times don't answer to 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 the most important question when it comes down to review generation, and it's when when to make the ask, right? And so this may differ between law firm to law firm. Uh, uh, as you've said, in some cases, it may be appropriate to do it after a, a good intake. In some cases, you'll want to wait until an actual settlement and check handing has been reached, right? But I think the key here is as a law firm manager or as the, as, as, as the marketing manager of a law firm, you need to define when those asks will happen as part of your uh, sequence of steps or uh, guidelines that you have. So to make sure that it's one of those boxes that needs to get ticked uh, as part of the process of handling a potential new client. So uh, very, very, very well pointed out, Grace. Thank you for that. So Grace, um, are we good now to move to another point? Can we talk now about uh, another big component of digital marketing? Yes. So let's move on to the websites. And in websites, we're not going to discuss specifically how to build a website or anything of that nature. What we're going to talk about is how important is a website? Uh, why do you build a website? And who are we building this website for? So those are the main topics of this section that we're going to discuss about websites. Is that right, Liel? Yes, it is, Grace. And so every time I'm, I'm, I'm auditing a new uh, opportunity, a new prospect for our agency, um, you know, it's, it's so interesting to analyze their, their website traffic, right? Because uh, you just come to realize how many times websites have been built without an actual purpose. And you can tell that because the website is either not driving any kind of traffic or not uh, 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 creating any, any impact on the traffic that is actually getting in, right? And so um, I believe uh, that the way that we've gone about thinking about websites is kind of like, okay, if I have a business, if I have a law firm, I have to have a website, whether it's going to be driving new clients to me or not. But it's just part of the expectation that users have is to for any business that exists for a website to be available. And I think uh, that mentality has filled 
uh, the internet with a useless website that, as we very, very well know, are not making it to the to the first or second or third page of organic search results. So if that is happening, then why should you still continue to pay for hosting for a website if you're not driving or if it's not driving traffic for your law firm? Super important points, right? I mean, people build websites for so many different reasons. And the most important one is why? Why did you do that? You built you built it just to have an online business card. I mean, to have an online presence of some sort, but with no thought and or strategy behind it. That's uh, that's basically throwing money away, right? And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where they build a ten, fifteen thousand dollar website that has all the bells and whistles, but it's built for them, right? Meaning it's built to make them feel good, look good, and what I call hero videos uh, are splayed all across the pages that don't really serve up any type of relevant content. And guess what? Google knows that. Google looks at these things. Google sees that your website has traffic that might be going to it, but do they jump off after a few seconds? Because all they see is content that doesn't answer the question that they're asking, but it got them there. I mean, there's a, there's a few different things. I know I'm going down a different path than what we were specifically talking about in the websites and how important they are, but you know, you need to start somewhere and you need to start at a, a, at the place where you look inside and you say, why am I building this website? Who is it for? And am I building it just for myself or am I building it to actually get something out of it? What is my goal? Right, Liel? You're absolutely right. Uh, Grace, uh, when you, you know, when you, when you introduce the conversation of the website. So uh, this whole conversation is a, is a Pandora's box. We're, we, we cannot cover up uh, all of the complexities of uh, building and uh, optimizing a website uh, for a law firm or any kind of business in one conversation on a podcast. Right. But I think that the point that we're trying to make here for our listeners is that if you have a website or are planning on creating a website in 2020, understand and define very well from the very beginning what's the purpose of that website and measure against it. So if you just want to have a website for the sake of having a, a online business card and you're expecting zero traffic from that website and you're okay with putting that money, investing that money for basically generating no results, then that's fine. You're, you're actually meeting the goal that you're setting for yourself. However, if you're investing on a website with the intention of actually driving business to your law firm through it, so then how are you measuring that? And how are you actually able to translate all of those increase in ranking positions and clicks and bounce rate percentages into actual dollars for your law firm. Because as long as you cannot make that connection seamless, as long as you cannot translate what has been the actual value of your website organic traffic into dollars for your law firm, you don't know. You don't know whether this website is serving a purpose. And so that's our message for everyone listening 
now at the beginning of 2020 and having great ideas and great projects for the website is fine. Go for it. Just make sure that whatever you do on your website, it actually brings results to the bottom line. Because if it's not, what grace? Crash and burn. So, you know, back to the uh, no bullshit, right? I mean, the biggest thing for me that I want people to take away from this particular section of our conversation is that define your goal before you do anything, always, right? That's in everything marketing. And for every dollar you spend, there needs to be a measurable return on investment. That is the job of every business owner, of every marketing person, and theoretically, every single person that works in your business. So when it comes to a website, make sure you have it defined, what your goal is, what results are you expecting out of it, and how are you going to achieve those expectations by building out the website the way it's going to generate those results. So that's my last comment on websites. <laughs> All right. So yeah, really, really putting uh, uh, websites on the spot at the beginning of uh, uh, 2020. And so for our users, not to get for our, for our listeners, not to uh, uh, get the wrong message. We are we are advocates of having digital presence. We are advocates about having website and well, investing. Well, how we in make them. our money, right, Leo? Co- <laughs> correct. Correct. Absolutely. Um, however, we are all about building websites with a purpose. We're all about uh, 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 strategizing uh, web uh, web development based on uh, achieving goals. And so we should never lose sight out of it. And we should always be able to hold ourselves accountable for any marketing investment that we're doing in any digital platform uh, to the results that they are actually generating. So I I, I think we've already uh, overstated that uh, <laughs> uh, for the past five minutes. So why don't we move on to our next and final point for this uh, first uh, digital marketing conversation um, for 2020? Okay. So the last section we've got for you guys is on paid digital marketing. So again, we're not going to necessarily discuss how to run a digital marketing campaign because again, that's what we do, right? What we're going to discuss here is what platform is more likely to generate results for your firm? And with a limited amount of money to get leads, where should you put it? And we will also discuss at the very end of everything, the key takeaways for each of these sections, but also specifically on paid digital, because we know you're spending a lot of money on something. You want to know ABC. So that's what we're going to discuss. That's absolutely right, Grace. So paid digital marketing, um, again, we couldn't have chosen more complex uh, conversations to have in one single episode. However, you know, I think you cannot talk about digital marketing without touching on these three major points that we're trying to cover here. One of them being your citations, your business presence online across different platforms, which also includes those very important social platforms such as Facebook, YouTube, and so forth. Your website, which is basically your uh, um, your business store uh, online. And then your paid digital efforts, which are the ones 
who, if you have not yet figured out uh, how to drive uh, uh, traffic organically, are going to enable you to get in front of people who need your services today, right? And even if you have already figured out how to drive business to your site organically and convert those into clients, it will help you protect it and grow it even further, right? So is it fair to say, Grace, that paid digital marketing is not a one way or another thing here? So if you chose to go the, or the oh, I want to on driving traffic organically, so I'm not going to do the paid part of it, uh, is, that, is that an option or are both strategies uh, 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 helping each other? And when I, I should not just say both strategies because citation is also part of it, right? So your citations tied to your website performance. And of course, you know, your overall digital activity will tie to also what you're doing uh, on paid uh, digital marketing. So is it fair that to say that all of these three elements support each other? Yes. So to exactly what you're saying, it's omni-channel, right? Meaning multiple locations for this particular media sources, or excuse me, not media sources, paid digital. You should always have marketing. You should always have organic um, advertising, meaning you, you're always building up your own organic because it's not sustainable to have paid only. That's just a given, right? Am, am I wrong, Liel, in, in making that statement? It's not sustainable to have paid only digital marketing without organic. So it's sustainable for as long as uh, you have cash to pay it, right? And so what's what's the problem here is when people are only uh, doing paid digital marketing and are not investing simultaneously in building a brand and driving traffic organically, uh, what's going to happen is that whenever they uh, close the tap, of the paid traffic, uh, the entire uh, 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 business goes down the drain. Like there is now going to be more flow of new uh, clients coming through. And so that's why it's very important, yes, to leverage the power of paid digital marketing in platforms such as the search network to generate new clients now, but at the same time have other activities um, that even though they are paid, their main goal is to help you build a brand over time and drive organic traffic over time, correct? So um, when you're breaking down your paid digital marketing strategy, you need to look at what's going to actually drive you results on the first week that you launch your strategy. And you should have that if you are uh, in need to generate clients today, but you should also have a strategy in place that is helping you build your law firm's brand and get yourself in front of people who may not need your service right now today, but could potentially be a client a year from now or two years from now. And so the more they see you, the more aware they are about you, the more they hear your message, the more likely they're going to turn to you whenever the day comes that they may need your services. How how does that feel uh, to you, Grace? So yes, so you, you you basically agreed with me, but didn't at the same time. <laughs> but it's it's true, right? Paid digital marketing is sustainable if you've got all the money in the world. Of course it is. 
anything sustainable if you've got all the money. And you, But with the moment you turn off the tap, just like you said, that's a perfect phrase. You turn that tap off, guess what? No more flow. So that means no more clients. So you're exactly right. And I, I agree with you. And so this, I think, perfectly turns into the next conversation, which is what is your goal again, right? Where is your goal? What's your goal? What are you trying to achieve? Do I need clients today? Do I need clients right now? Do I need clients tomorrow? Do I want to simultaneously build my clients for later, but I need some today to make money right now and bring them in the door? Well, that perfectly leads into the question, which platform is more likely to generate results for our law firm? And at the same time, having to do with the limited amount of leads, where do you put your money in paid? Right, Leon? That's absolutely right, Grace. And so, um, yes, let's 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 give some substance here to the listeners. That that's our promise to them. That's our commitment to them. That's why we uh, created this podcast, right? To to give straightforward answers to to complex questions. Where to put your money in digital marketing, right? Where are you actually gonna invest if you want to generate clients today? Right. We know that uh, building a website doesn't happen overnight. Driving traffic for that website organically is not going to happen overnight. And you cannot just rely on your um, citations uh, and reviews uh, to do and carry the entire weight of your digital marketing by itself because it's not sustainable as well. So what can you do to actually support your business, your law firm's growth? and generate clients today and at the same time build a brand for the long term. So how can we bring clients today, Grace? I let you and I'll give you the honor of talk about my preferred platform of all the paid platforms online. Please, which one would that be? The search network. Search network. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The search network. Search network. The most Let's say it together. Search the network. search network, Liel. The most powerful <laughs> network that there is to get in front of high intent users. So, Grace, um, let, let's explain. Why is the search network so powerful and why can we generate from the search network clients the day that you launch your campaigns? How's that? So, yeah. So I I always go back to consumer behavior, right? And um I, psychology, I guess. It's a, going back to my college days, I suppose. Um and analyzing how people do what they do and why they do it and the search network, right? The search network is where you go to buy something. I mean, your your usual intent when you go and you search for something and you look for something is to make an action. <clears throat> and if you're clicking on an ad, within the search network, you're usually going to buy right then and there. So that's just at the very high level. Um, I'm going to let Liel talk more specifically because I know how much he loves talking about the search network. Um, but I'm just going to, like, I just gave you just a little bit about how I look at it because I think about myself every time I go and I do a search, you know, as the internal person inside of a law firm, um, I think about it that way. Whereas Liel, as an external agency can think about it from, I guess, the overarching, more organized perspective, right? So go ahead, Liel. Grace, go I, for I, it. I think your explanation is the best one. It's exactly what you've said, right? Uh, the search network is basically Google answering our questions, right? 
we've grown used to going to Google to find answers and find solutions for our daily life needs, right? So whenever I go to the search network and I search for a divorce lawyer near me, it's because I've already made the decision that I'm getting divorced and I uh, need to hire an attorney to make that happen. And when I click on an ad of a divorce lawyer near me that it's advertising himself or herself uh, uh, so I can see them, I'm actually uh, just making the decision of whether I'm going to hire them or I'm going to hire somebody else. And so why that's why it's so important that your message, um, the way your message uh, in, in your ad copy and your landing page experience uh, translates to my uh, uh, search intent, right? How does it connect to me? Because that's going to be pretty much the deciding factor on whether I'm going to choose you or I'm going to ch- choose the, the, the next uh, ad or I'm going to decide to go down to the organic search results. But the bottom line is that this is giving the opportunity, the search network is giving um, businesses the opportunity to interact with people who are ready to buy from you and ready to hire you right now, right? Now, there are several things to keep in mind here. The search network is going to works its purpose as long as your campaigns are well-crafted and you're targeting the right keywords with the right intent, okay? Super important, guys. You need to pay attention to this section in particular, search intent. Super Remember important. that phrase. <laughs> Super important. Why? Because I could also be a user trying to find out about some, the latest gossip on some socialite locally and want to read about uh, their uh, recent uh, divorce, right? And so if you are a divorce attorney and are just targeting random keys and think that because you're targeting the word divorce, every single search is going to be about divorce about from people trying to hire a divorce lawyer, well, you're basically going to be showing your ad to a lot of people who are not necessarily going to be interested in hiring you. And then you may think for yourself, well, but is there any harm? If they're not interested in hiring me, they'll see my ad, but they're not going to click on it. So, you know, there's not really that much harm. Well, there is, because every time your ad shows and people are not clicking on it, your click-through rate goes down. And when your click-through rate goes down, your cost per click goes up and it just unravels a whole chain reaction that's not going to help you. Ultimately, it's going to damage your quality score. So with that being said, yes, the search... Google doesn't like it. (laughs) The search (laughs) network is extremely powerful, but you need to do it right. In order to fully leverage, you need to know how to build a campaign, how to craft a converting message, and then how to... well where to send your users when they're clicking on your ad, right? And so I think, you know, trying to explain the entire process of building an effective search network um, strategy on five minutes in a podcast episode is not really going to do anyone a favor. However, for those who are starting to think about investing on digital marketing, here's what you need to know. Search network is the one network that's going to get you in front of high intent users that are likely to convert and turn into paid clients, providing that they meet the requirements that you need for uh, them to become a client, 
right? So uh, that's the one thing you need to know. So if that's what you want and that's what you need now, then uh, go and hire someone who can help you build this uh, kind of effective strategy so you can see results. But ultimately, Grace, and we're going to go back to what we were talking about uh, when we were uh, having the website conversation is it all needs to tie down to results and to revenues, right? If you cannot attribute your ad spend every single month to 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 revenues that actually were generated or, or that are uh, uh, forecasted to be generated for your law firm due to the ads that you run, then there's no point. There's no point on doing these kind of strategies, not a search network strategy. Okay, now, so we're talking so much about search network, but are there any other platforms on paid digital marketing that we should be that we should be aware of? And if yes, Grace, why would we use those platforms and those kind of strategies if it's only the search network, the one that's going to get us clients here and today? So back to pretty much at the beginning, right? We're talking about building your brand and brand awareness. So uh, these different phases of, or the life cycle, I'd say, of a client, right? As they first get to know, there's a, a three part, right? It's called no like trust. They have to get to know you, that's brand awareness. They need to like you, that's generally consideration. And then they need to trust you for them to buy from you. And that's usually, the trust is the point where it's usually purchase intent at that point, right? And so there are different styles uh, and different places that you can put and different types of goal ads for the, excuse me, goals for the ads that you set up in all of these different places. And that's what you need to have in mind when you are doing this. So there are different places as Liel just mentioned, and that would be display. And um, display is where you build a brand awareness and you get them to kind of consider you and really get to know you a little bit more before they want to buy. And why is that important? So this is important because at that point is when at a later time they will come back to you or they might come back to you. If it's good content, you've served them a proper content, proper information, you answered a question, you took care of something for them in that what I call and what's been called micro moment, that's when you can possibly capture them for a later date, when they do decide to need a lawyer or when they do decide at that point. So that's display, right? So let me let me uh, confirm that I understood correctly what you're saying here. So what you're saying, Grace, is that people don't necessarily convert immediately, right? They interact and have multiple touch points with a brand uh, in order to reach the point of conversion, right? So it may happen, it may happen, and we see that a lot in the search network, particularly that users see an ad, the, the, the message of the ad speaks to their search intent, and they get, they either call directly from the ad or they go into the landing page, which further reassures them and they convert from there, right? They send their contact details to the law firm or they start a phone call. And so now they're uh, officially turned into a screening or some sort of a, a, um, appointment for the law firm. But that's not always the case. Sometimes what I'm hearing is that 
I can find your ad in the search network. I can click on it. I can read the content that's on your landing page or on your website, but then for whatever reason, decide that I'm not quite ready to convert and just continue and go on with my day and with my research. However, what you're saying that the display network is going to do is that whenever I go to another uh, website or the moment that I go to another platform such as Facebook, when you're advertising on the display network or when you're advertising on Facebook, you're now also opening up yourself to the opportunity of reminding me about your brand and about your message as I'm navigating through these other platforms or in these other pages. Is that correct? Exactly right. So again, back to myself, right? As a consumer, um, think about when the last time you shopped for a pair of shoes, as an example, and um, all of a sudden you didn't buy the shoes, but even if you did buy the shoes, you're getting followed around by ads for that particular pair of shoes or a million different kinds of shoes as you go from Facebook to um, even parenting.com, if that's something that they uh, is part of the display network and that they are putting ads on there as well. So it's it's retargeting. And that's exactly right. That's what I'm saying. So that you continuously remind them and you essentially stay top of mind as much as possible for those who didn't convert immediately, but will and hopefully possibly do convert down the road. So Grace, you know, I think uh, retargeting is such a powerful uh, uh, strategy to implement, but the truth and the reality is that not all practice areas allow for retargeting to uh, be implemented, right? Due to privacy right. or confidentiality, right? Of course, uh, uh, for instance, we know that uh, divorce law, uh, lawyers uh, cannot retarget uh, website visitors on Facebook and such, right? Because it can lead to right. uh, 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 other problems. So uh, are there any other ways that you can use display advertising or Facebook advertising to uh, put your message in front of an audience that uh, could be interested in what is it that you have to do or say? So yes, um, you're right. Retargeting is the wrong term to use for what we're discussing exactly here also. So it's more, when I say retargeting, I was thinking more of a, a different definition, but the actual definition is what Liel is saying. It is that you are li literally retargeting a list that you have already, and you're not allowed to do that. So what I'm saying is mostly looking at a demographic or in an area and showing them what you have to offer, not necessarily specifically hitting people up that are in your list. So that's what I meant by retargeting. So I apologize. And that's thank you for defining that, Liel, because that's exactly right. It's not the proper term, um, but the right term. And in the display network would be, as an example, if you're on parenting.com and you have a practice area that handles childcare negligence, as an example, um, that's somewhere you might want to be because people will then on the display network find that and see them and see you on that display network ad. I love correct? that, Grace. So basically what you're saying is that you can actually use the display network in many different ways to put yourself in front of an audience that may be interested in your services. So for instance, in this case, you're saying, I'm gonna choose to show my banners, my ads 
in a particular page that I know has content that is relevant to my practice area. So that's one way you can do it, right? Correct. But yes. you can also choose to show your ads to other people, sorry, to a different audience based on other searches that they have run through Google, right? That's the power that Google is giving us. So whether they're actually reading an article in uh, uh, Business Insider, right? Uh, they can actually see an ad from your law firm based on something that they searched earlier in the week in Google that relates to your practice area. Furthermore, we can actually create audiences based on other behavior patterns. Like for instance, if you're a personal injury attorney and you want to show your ads to people who've been to a body shop anytime within the last 30 days, you can actually do that. You can actually tell Google, hey Google, I want my ads to be seen by anyone who has searched on Google Maps for a body shop and have been at the body shop over the past 30 days. And Google will create this audience. And no matter which websites or pages they're actually visiting, as long as they're part of the 2 million sites that Google that the Google Partner Network has under their umbrella, they're going to see your ads, right? And so it doesn't mean that every single person that's going to see your ad that's been to a body shop is going to be interested in your services. But guess what? Maybe some of them will, and maybe they'll click on it, and maybe they won't convert. But then they'll see you again when they'll go to another page. And then they'll see you again if you also have Facebook pixel on your... Um... So not to mean to interrupt, yeah. Leo, I know you're in a good flow, but I think it's super, super important to emphasize what you just said. Sure. Because that's exactly right. If you post and you have something on it starts with the goal and your strategy and making sure you define what you're trying to achieve. But exactly what you said about displaying and showing on a car body shop or going to towards an audience that just went through, through a body shop, they are very likely were in some sort of an accident. So these are very small things, but they're so important to remember and important to think about. So that's why we kept talking about goals and we kept talking about strategies and we keep talking about, you know, display network and, you know, search network. And, you know, it, it is these guys, we are law firms, right? This is, these are lawyers. So we have to be super careful about how we target people. There's no personally identifiable information allowed. So you have to think outside the box a little bit, like Liel just said, that was awesome. Like that's something that I would, you know, I would definitely do as a, a law firm. I would target body shops. Why not? That makes perfect sense. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I thought that was just, that was such a, honestly, it blew my mind. The moment you said, I'm like, duh, why wouldn't you, you do that? You welcome <laughs> to all the personal injury lawyers uh, who are yes. going to go and implement this strategy. I was going to say, you just got a <laughs> serious tidbit, guys. I mean, if hopefully you listened all the way through. If not, you got to this part and you heard this section because <laughs> go and do and it, so, guys. Grace, just to finalize the point on uh, display in Facebook, right? So we understand that this kind of strategy is going to help us build a brand. It's going to help us create awareness. Um, it's going to help us put our message in front of people of an audience that are likely to be interested in our services, but not necessarily immediately. So does that mean, Grace, that we should be flexible about measuring results 
generated from these kind of networks, or we should still hold accountable our uh, investment to actual generate results? You should always have a goal to answer that question. If your goal is to convert them possibly eventually, or is your goal to get them to see that ad? What is your goal? And that's what's going to define whether you drop something or you don't. Does that answer the question? It does. It does, Grace. And I think uh, 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 I think it, it it goes back to you know managing your expectations for each one of the marketing strategies that you have going right. on, right? The same way that you would implement an SEO strategy and you wouldn't necessarily expect to see tangible results after three months uh, or at least uh, not be able to, to see results that are going to rock your world in three months, you should also understand that while you should be seeing results and you should be able to measure performance uh, and, and actual uh, uh, count signed cases that are being generated for your from your presence on the display and, and Facebook, um, you, you need to understand that obviously uh, the conversion and retention rate is going to be lower than, for instance, your search network. So you need to have different goals. You need to understand what's the potential and the main objective of each one of these platforms so you are not getting disappointed when actually is when something is actually working, but it's just working at a different pace and at a different rate, and it's actually going to be uh, bringing and generating results more towards a long term than um, the here and the today that you would expect from the search network. What do you think? A hundred percent. Need to match your goals with what and expectations, level set expectations with where you're putting the money. Excellent. You know, if organic and display are going to take time. Okay. Whereas search will be more immediate. Yeah. I guess we both agree on that. So to wrap things up, right, we want to make sure that we make very, very clear for our listeners, what are the takeaways from having listened to this uh, episode? What are the things, Grace, that our listeners can do right now at the end of this episode over the next few days? What can they do to set themselves for success in digital marketing for 2020? So the takeaways and... This is exactly what you can do as soon as you get off this episode and you go to your computer, you can start doing this yourself. You can do it immediately and it's something you can do right away to help you for 2020 and today. So the takeaways are optimize your presence in directories. Make sure that you're clean across whether you use a Yext service or you do it yourself. Um, you make sure your citations and all of the information about your business and your firm is exactly the same across everywhere. Aim to be relevant on local search, meaning anytime somebody's looking for something, you have the content and information that they are looking for. It's on there. How do you do that? You're posting on Google My Business as often as possible with frequently asked questions, um, any type of uh, blogs or posts answering different types of things that people have asked you possibly. Um, and of course, review generation. Reviews, 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 reviews. I cannot emphasize that enough, guys. Review generation. And then moving on to the next takeaway is what are your goals? And that honestly is for your website and paid digital marketing. Define your goals, figure out what you're supposed to be doing, and decide exactly how to put the money and where you're going to put the money depending on those goals that you've set for yourself. 
and level set your expectations so that you're not expecting a conversion on a display network today, as opposed to the search network, which you could possibly get today. So does that pretty much wrap it up? There you have it. So build citations, optimize your Google My Business, generate reviews, ask for them, create a process and stick to it, and then setting goals. Setting goals and measure them and hold yourself and your marketing providers accountable for delivering on those. Grace, it's been a pleasure talking to you and um, we'll be back uh, next week. What are we going to be talking about next week? So, um, yeah, thank you for joining us in, in camera, a private legal marketing conversations between us and the rest of you guys who join us. So our next episode is going to be on traditional media channels, and we'll discuss a little bit about, you know, of course, digital coming first, and then a little bit more about traditional media channels. That sounds great, uh, Grace. So thank you very much all for joining us, and we're excited to start off this new podcast. Please share your comments, and we're looking forward to um, meeting with you again next week on our next episode. Bye-bye. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at We'll see you next week. Thank you.